This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share and collaborate. That's what I love about this agency because there are so many ways that, you know, you can you can come in and help communities, uh, you know, in a disaster. And then it's also a great pipeline for those who want careers in FEMA. And the local the local hire program is one of those. Hi, and welcome to EM Weekly, your emergency management podcast. And this is your host, Todd DeVoe. This week, we are talking to Daniel Alexander about the FEMA Reserve Corps and how to get your foot in the door, and maybe a little more. Before I get into the program, I need to make a point of clarification when I was talking about education and training uh, of the emergency manager. One of our listeners reached out to me and and was saying, hey, they were looking at dropping out of their uh, public policy program and looking for a school uh, that teaches emergency management. And if that's what you really want to do, you know, that's one thing. But remember, you can get a degree in public policy, public administration, poli-sci, sociology, you know, those type of social science degrees, and you're going to do well in the field of emergency management as long as you get your training done as well. Now, that being said, if you get your undergrad um, in those programs and you're looking to get a master's, I recommend that you get a master's in emergency management then. And on the flip side, if you have your undergrad in emergency management, then get your master's in your public policy or poli-sci or public administration. Now the PhD, that's a complete different story. And it's a whole program in itself. Now on to the interview. Daniel, welcome to Ian Weekly. Thank you. It's good to be here, Todd. Thanks for having me. So we were, we were talking a while ago, and we're talking about the reserve program and, and how important it is to to the FEMA mission. So how did this thing get started? How did the reserves get started? So um, it's gone through uh, numerous iterations. We refer to it as the reservist cadre, if you will. And so, you know, FEMA recognized that to, uh, to carry out its mission because of you know, the level of disaster activity and the work that we do in the field can vary greatly from year to year. Um, it's very hard to figure out staffing, and it's very hard to understand, like, what that staffing requirement is to be able to manage those disasters from year to year. And so the backbone, largely, of our disaster response is what um, is uh, what we call our reservists and our reservist cadre. So these are folks who, um, you know, are very uh, uh, you know, interested in the work that we do, committed to the mission that that we have of helping people, um, and there there are folks that um, uh, make themselves available to FEMA across all of the various disaster positions that we have, and we hold them in reserve, if you will. And so, um, when disasters occur, there, uh, you know, we can reach out to them to see if they're willing to deploy. We can deploy them then in the various disaster roles that uh, they've been assigned and that we've hired them into. Um, and then they can work for, you know, months at a time um, uh, working uh, in those disasters. And so it's, it's a great program because it allows flexibility 
responsibility for um, the individual. Um, so, you know, if you only want to work part time and you don't want to work a full year, um, it allows you that flexibility to be available and sign up for like for, during hurricanes, you know, the heavy hurricane season. Um, or it also if you, you know, that you want to, you know, you're retired and you want a vacation and, you know, you want a month or two off to not be bothered. It allows you that flexibility. Um, so it's, it's a great program for those who want to be involved, help their community, help the nation in time of need, but also, you know, manage their lives uh, um, a little bit more. And so, so it's really the large group of people that we rely on um, to help uh, fill these disaster roles in our time of need. What kind of individual are you looking for? Because I, I have questions all the time for my students and how to become an emergency manager, like really how to break in. You know, they're they're excited about it. They're going to school for it. And then they get to this point to where they're like, ooh, how do I get a job? Is this something they could do to get some experience or are you looking for people with experience already? We are looking for anybody uh, uh, that, that is interested in this mission, that has any type of background. Um, so the first stop is go to www.careers.fema.gov. Um, so that's where you can find information on the, all of the programs that we have. And, and, we, and I do want to talk, we have more than just the reservist program that, uh, that we can talk about. But um, uh, so that's the first place to go to see what their opportunities are. So the way FEMA is organized, we're, we have 23 cadres. Uh, we refer to cadres. So these are 23 large different functions that we perform across disaster response recovery, our mitigation efforts. Um, and so these, uh, during what we call the entire life cycle of a disaster, these are the different positions that would be, um, you know, filled and, and functions performed uh, in a joint field office uh, uh, or in a recovery office. Um, and so within those 23 cadres or categories of functions, if you will, we have actually about 230 different positions. So th again, this covers everything from you know, the, uh, the response, uh, what we call disaster survivor assistance, out on the street helping people uh, right in, after disaster hits, getting people registered for, support, uh, for assistance uh, for the federal government, to um, mitigation um, and, you know, working with communities on how to, you know, how to uh, models and, and ways to build back better and recommendations to help improve their mitigation plan or to provide community information on mitigation. Um, we even have, um, you know, uh, it, what we call EHP, our Environmental Historic Preservation. So for those folks who are um, oriented or more interested in, you know, historic preservation and protection of the environment, when we rebuild from a disaster, we have to be cognizant of those things. And we have an entire cadre of folks that make sure that the reconstruction and rebuilding that communities do with our funds, with FEMA um, Stafford Act funds, is done in compliance with all of those environment and historic preservation laws. So it really, that's just, you know, an example that it really runs the gamut of skill sets across the entire spectrum of um, that, that we have an opportunity here at FEMA. And so all of those positions, uh, you know, are ripe for those types of skill sets. So we're looking at, we're just talking a little bit about the jobs and the capabilities. Um, so you try to sign up as a reservist, you go through the background checks and whatnot, and then you get in the job. And then how do you get, how do you get a mission? Yeah, that's a great question, Todd. So um, kind of go back, as we said, so um, when, when you apply and you make yourself known, like, hey, I'm interested in becoming a reservist with FEMA, um, you know, the, the agency can certainly work with you to, based on your background and interest, uh, working with what we call the cadre coordinators to make sure that we can, um, uh, you know, what is the best 
position uh, suited for you and what you're interested in. Um, then, of course, just like any job, you know, there's an interview, review the application and interview you. And then a, a quote hiring decision would be made into the cadre. Um, once all that stuff takes place and you're successful, and you become a what we what we love to call reservist within FEMA. Um, then uh, you will be made available and we have an entire deployment system. Um, it's all automated and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and we uh, will deploy you to missions that come up. So um, as as the need arises in these different cadres to fill dis, uh, fill roles in disasters, you'll receive a notification and asking, hey, you know, we need for the next 30 days, we're going to need you to deploy to wherever uh, in the country or any of our territories that were impacted by a disaster. And then you can accept that deployment. Um, and uh, there is an opportunity to, to, to deny that uh, deployment. We do, however, limit the number of denials that you, you can have um, in a, any given year. Um, but, um, you know, that's, that's the, the kind of the mechanics of how we actually access the folks. Now, um, on top of that, though, we want to make sure that the individual is ready to deploy as well. So we've got an entire qualification system uh, within FEMA that once that person comes on board as a reservist, in their uh, title, we provide them with additional training. We provide them with um, opportunities to exercise, to go on disasters as what we call a trainee so that they can gain that experience, get qualified in that position. There's a whole structure to the training and to the tasks that they have to perform and they be get evaluated on those tasks. So all of that stuff is automated. We have a whole backbone and architecture of whole teams of people working here um, within my directorate particularly uh, to support that and to make sure that we support the reservists when they're hired so that they get the proper equipment, training, um, experience, uh, and the deployments uh, that will uh, allow them to be successful. So this is a two-part question. How many reservists do you guys have, and what's the average length of a, a reservist's um, tenure? Yeah, we've got um, – I don't have the exact uh, numbers in front of me of exactly what our current um, uh, reservists are. Uh, we, we employ thousands of people. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and quite frankly – um, we're always looking, because of attrition, we're always looking for opportunities to, to hire people. So we're, we're talking in the thousands uh, of folks across all of those uh, reservists. And, you know, um, reservists, we've got people that have been with this agency that I know since I've been here as a federal coordinating officer when I got hired. My very first disaster I remember starting, and I was in awe of the number of folks that were reservists and the years that they have been working in that role in this agency. Um, so we've got people, I know personally that we've got people that have been doing this program for 15, 20 years. Huh. Um, uh, and then, and again, we've got many uh, you know, folks that are just newly coming on board. So it really does uh, run the gamut. Um, and again, I think that it's a great, it's a great opportunity for those who want that flexibility in their, uh, in their lifestyle to again, either have a great um, job and contribute to a wonderful mission to helping people, um, you know, with a little bit of that flexibility. So um, that's why I think we're, so, we, we love the reservist program because it attracts so many motivated people with that flexibility and with great skill sets. So we were talking before and you, and you talked a little bit about the surge capacity force. Can, can Let's go a little deeper into that. What exactly is that and, and how does that work? Yeah, so this is so we have different models, uh, as I think I alluded to earlier in the conversation. The reservist program is one 
program, which is our, you know, very significant large program of, of thousands of employees that help support our disaster. Um, we, we also have created years ago uh, this thing called the Surge Capacity Force. And so this is largely when, you know, 20, going back, for instance, to 2017, which was a very busy year uh, for all of us, for, uh, uh, for FEMA, um, you know, we have a program when the need arises, when because of such significant disaster activity, such as 2017, when we've utilized all the internal resources, and, and I'd love to talk about, you know, our, our permanent full-time employees, and we also have what we call core employees in FEMA. But when we've kind of exhausted all of those resources, we also have a surge force. And so this is in working in partnership with our other component agencies within the Department of Homeland Security, that there are thousands of employees within DHS that have said, hey, you know what, in the time of need, they want to help. So, you know, across Coast Guard, um, Secret Service, you know, TSA, all of those other um, Homeland Security agencies, we want to um, make ourselves available to help out in those crucial positions where we can, uh, we can um, come deploy to those field assignments and just help stabilize the incident. And so um, we've created what we call this surge capacity force. And, um, and, and again, it's just as, as I said, uh, it allows us the opportunity to tap into the resources of the rest of the agency and deploy folks from these other federal components on shorter term deployments to really help augment our FEMA, our FEMA workforce and help stabilize incidents for those local communities. So it's a great program, and, and like I said, it was, it was a huge help for us in 2017. Yeah, that was a, a rough year for sure. Yeah. Now, I know you guys have the, the, the local hire program, and I, I think that's an exciting program because, as you know, as everybody out there knows, it's all, lo- all disasters are local. And, and to help rebuild the community and also to help with the uh, psychological, I think, uh, recovery from a disaster, uh, local people helping out is, is really important. Tell me a little bit about your, your local hire program and, and how does that work and what's that mean to you? Yep. Yeah, that, this is another great option. And, and that's what I love about this agency, because there are so many ways that, you know, you can you can come in and help communities, uh, you know, in a disaster. And then it's also a great pipeline for those who want careers in FEMA and the local the local hire program is one of those. Um, uh, again, one of our primary goals when a disaster occurs and, you know, and, and a federal disaster declaration is made, FEMA comes in with, you know, working with the state is we want to help uh, as positive at an impact as quickly as possible, those, that local community. And one of the ways to do that is what better way is to actually hire people who are from that community to help and work in their own community on behalf of FEMA um, to uh, help the disaster survivors. And so the local hire program is exactly that. As soon as we set up what we call a joint field office, um, we work and once we start bringing in our, you know, the federal resources and all that type of stuff, we want to maximize the hiring of people from that community to help support that mission um, as much as possible. So these are jobs, everything. Uh, again, I talked about these, you know, two over 230 positions that we have in FEMA. And largely it's doing a lot of uh, those types of work, you know, in logistics and um, in even, you know, some of our, um, uh, you know, internal support and things like that, like our information technology needs. People who have backgrounds from that local community, 
we can do advertising um, in those uh, in those local communities that we're hiring. Um, we can do quick you know checks. Uh, we can onboard them, what we call onboard them very quickly, get them resourced, um, uh, and they can begin working right away um, in in those communities that are impacted by the disaster. So they're shorter term employees. We can renew them up to a year if if we're there that long and uh, on the ground. Um, but it's a great opportunity for folks to get a taste of what FEMA is like, who might be interested, who are in communities that are impacted by disaster. It's a great way to employ and continue the economic recovery by employing people and, you know, making sure that, you know, salaries are being earned and, and, and contributing to the tax base. Um, and as I said, it's a it's a great pipeline. It's a great um, way for people to feel, get a taste of FEMA, get a get, uh, you know, the rush of the mission, that uh, that surge and rush for the mission that we have. Um, and then, you know, and then there's opportunities to get more permanent or additional full time employment or even to enter the reservist program that we talked about. So we, we love that program. It's very exciting. We do it just about in every community that we set up an operation. Well, Daniel, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about you. Seconds count during an emergency. That's why at Titan HST, we're always inventing new technology to help people stay safe and help people who can provide help get connected with people who need help. At Titan HST, we've deployed mesh networking, allowing emergency communication even when networks are down, augmented reality, and real-time translation. We believe in the power of people to help each other stay safe and thrive. Daniel, welcome back from that break. Hey, so everybody, listen, thank you so much for listening to us. And, and please, you know, check out our sponsor and, and say that, you know, you heard them here because without them, we really couldn't bring you uh, what we're bringing you here at Ian Weekly. So uh, I think it's important for us at least. <laughs> so Daniel, so before we went on the break, I said I want to come back and talk a little bit about you. How did you get involved with uh, FEMA and this directorate? Uh, yeah, oh boy, uh, get involved in FEMA. So, um, like many of us, uh, that fall into this field, I think I'd never started out my career. Like I'm going to be an emergency manager. So, uh, you know, I thought I was going to be a cop all my life. My background's law enforcement and started out in, uh, you know, I was going to, in, in my hometown in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and was a police officer there and thought that I was going to be doing that, you know, for my career and very happy to. Um, but like many of us, when September 11th happened, that changed, uh, all of our lives and that changed. Um, uh, you know, in more ways than one. And for me, it changed, obviously, the trajectory of my life and profession. Um, so when Homeland Security, you know, was, you know, the department was formed and when Homeland Security became a, a thing after the attacks of September 11th, uh, because of where I was on the police department, I became the Homeland Security liaison um, to uh, for, the, for my police department in Milwaukee. And then from there, I really thought like, wow, you know, we're in a new environment, um, professionally, um, politically, socially, everything that, you know, the impact of that we all know that September 11th had on us. And I was really excited about um, where this new opportunity was was taking. And so, you know, I, I kind of came into it from the Homeland Security, you know, grant side and really then got into emergency management. And it was a world that I never really thought of a new, even as a police officer. I mean, I was, a, I was a police officer for 15 years. I knew that there was emergency management. But, you know, then when I started getting into it, really fell in love with 
um, with the mission. I fell in love with the challenge, um, especially in this post 9-11 world that it posed. And so um, I became uh, the emergency management director for the city uh, in Milwaukee and, and then had a, a great opportunity in Denver, Colorado and became the uh, emergency management and homeland security director for the city and county of Denver. And that's where my, so it was there when I really uh, had a close uh, connection with FEMA. Um, you know, uh, because of, you know, being jointly located with the big city, uh, jointly located with the regional headquarters there in, in Denver. And we were able to, was able to take advantage of that. We did a lot of, of cool stuff together um, from, the, from a state, local, and federal perspective. And so I just got more and more interested. And um, then, you know, an opportunity opened up to become a federal coordinating officer in Region 8. From there, uh, my uh, kind of career was in FEMA. So, like many of us, you know, you kind of bounce around, and uh, now I've landed as the Deputy Assistant Administrator for Field Operations, which is a great opportunity because it takes me back to when I came into this agency as a federal coordinating officer. Um, I know, you know, our directorate um, manages uh, that entire cadre of folks. We manage all of our field-based, uh, you know, workforces we've been talking about. We, our incident management team, our incident management assistant teams. So it's, it's, um, it's a great opportunity to really see uh, and have your hand on uh, making an impact in those communities because now I'm, you know, kind of responsible for the deployment of all those resources and making sure that we've got the people where they need to be to, to help those communities. So it's been a great ride. It's been a great experience. Um, and again, I think it demonstrates all of the different possibilities that exist in FEMA uh, to kind of, you know, grow and, and, you know, chase your dream and do what you want to do. You're saying the field director, you, you guys are, you guys are busy, huh? Yeah, we're uh, we're busy. Um, you know, again, 2017 was a uh, uh, you know watershed moment for us uh, with uh, with the level of disaster activity last year. Series of uh, uh, hurricanes and activity. Um, yeah, and so it uh, it has been busy. We certainly have seen our disaster activity pick up. And you know, one of the additional challenges many people think um, about, like, okay, you know, a disaster hits, a hurricane comes, we you know quote respond. Um, you know, and then after a while, the storm moves on and, and, you know, you kind of forget about it. But people forget that, you know, FEMA is responsible for coordination across that entire mission set. So because of the severity of the disasters that we've been facing from the wildfire wildfires in California to the hurricanes and, you know, and, you know, now we had an earthquake in California, too, though, thankfully, that that did not turn out to be as major of an incident that it could have been. Um, there, there's what we call the tail of the disaster. So recovery takes years and years and years. And so, um, and so, you know, we, we have to staff that. We have to, from a workforce perspective and from just the coordination perspective across the federal and state, you know, and, and local governments, we have to continue working those things. So that's why, you know, Puerto Rico, obviously, and uh, we still have thousands of people working in Puerto Rico, um, and they will be for years. Uh, we have other recovery, what we call recovery offices from these major incidents uh, across the country. So, so you know, even though we have new disasters that occur, we still have people working from disasters of years ago that are still working. And so it, the work just keeps piling on and on. And that's why, you know, this is such a great opportunity that we want to talk about and make available because there's certainly always a need and there's always room to bring more people on board, whether you're a reservist or what we call a permanent full-time employee or even what another attractive aspect uh, is what we call our core employees. Um, those are uh, more full-time uh, limited-term employees 
but um, it provides additional opportunity to get employed and, and help in that mission area. So, so yeah, the level of disaster activity is uh, keeping us busy and it's providing additional opportunity to hire more people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I tell people all the time when we talk about emergency management and I say, you know, when the, when the police cars go back on patrol and the, and the fire trucks are back in the barn, that's when the real work happens in emergency management when it comes to the recovery because that is the long term, and that's when we're starting trying to make people whole. So I do appreciate that's what right. you guys are doing. <laughs> yeah, we often we often kind of joke here. Um, you know, it's like the easy part is response, right? And right. even though there's complexity and it's all the pressure and high pressure, but you know, the hard part is, boy, the decisions that have to be made and how in recovery and how you rebuild. Um, and that's where the tough work begins. And that's where it's so lengthy. And, you know, the work on finding resources to rebuild, that's where the real hard, complex work is. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, quite a, it's quite a profession. So for the, those of you out there listening, uh, the emergency managers out there that, that want to have like a a great challenging career going to the recovery side of uh, emergency management and you will not be lacking in business. That's for sure. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, you know, we, and I'm encouraging uh, again, people to check out www.careers.fema.gov. Um, uh, again, it'll list and, you know, we, we are looking for diversity and background uh, across the board um, to, to help uh, uh you know, meet the mission of FEMA. So we encourage all those that are interested from all walks of life all over this country um, to look at that website who are interested in our mission um, and come join the team. You have one thing to say to all the emergency managers in the world at one time. What would it be? Um, I think I would say uh, don't, um, you know, one of the lessons learned from, uh, you know, especially what we faced as an agency, uh, you need to plan for the unthinkable. Um, I think that, you know, you need to continue pushing yourself. Um, I've been environment, even before coming to FEMA, you know, I've been guilty of like, oh, you know, that's never going to happen here or we're never going to confront that. And then we did. Um, and so while we train, we plan, we exercise, um, I think sometimes we fall into the trap of, well, let's just plan, train and exercise for what's comfortable. Um, and I, we really need, if we're going to grow as a profession and if we're going to push ourselves and move forward as a nation um, in making sure that we're securing uh, our homeland and, you know, meeting the needs of our disaster survivors, you got to keep pushing and thinking bigger. And so I would just, you know, my recommendation is to keep challenge, keep challenging yourself that, you know what, um, what's the next biggest worst thing and how are we going to handle that? That's awesome. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for your time this morning. Keep doing what you're doing over there, doing great work. And for those of you that are looking to get into uh, the field of emergency management, or if you've been around for a little while and you still kind of want to do it, um, reach out to uh, www.careers.fema.gov, and uh, I hope you'll work for Daniel. <laughs> great. Thank you so much, and I appreciate what you do, Todd, and um, thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of EM Weekly. And please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast player. And also, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. If you're looking for more information and more emergency management type podcast, check out sitchradio.com because there's a full laundry list over there. See you next week.